0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text is taken from the Gospel lesson and uh, is a paraphrase uh, from that. And I invite you to join me with reading. My dear woman, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. People of God, people whose faith is rooted, grounded, centered in Christ Jesus. Martha was overwhelmed. Martha was overwhelmed, and rightfully so. Jesus was the biggest celebrity in all that country, and he was having dinner in her home. And not only was Jesus their guest, so were some of the disciples and other followers who had been accompanying Jesus along his way. And so overwhelmed is an understatement. As Martha stood in the kitchen... Her focus was entirely upon her responsibilities. Her focus was entirely upon her responsibilities that had been placed upon her. And because of that focus, she was overwhelmed, and rightfully so. Mary was overwhelmed, and rightfully so. She was overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus. Not only was he the biggest celebrity in all the country, Jesus was also the connection between this life and the next. He was a connection between sinful people and Holy God. As Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, her focus was upon entirely upon the love, the mercy, the forgiveness that she was receiving. Her focus was upon the love, the mercy, the forgiveness that she was receiving from Jesus. She was overwhelmed and rightfully so. Two women, same house, both in the presence of Jesus. One worried about many things, the other rejoicing in the one thing needful, God's love for her in Christ Jesus. So which does Jesus expect us to be? Martha or Mary. Actually, it's not an either-or. It's a both-and. Jesus didn't command Martha to stop serving. He didn't tell her that her gift of hospitality was uh, of no value. Instead, he understood that these were both very important gifts, serving and hospitality. What he was doing is reminding Martha that... uh, she needed the the strength that comes in fulfilling these gifts comes from the one thing that is needed god's word of promise sitting at the feet of jesus to receive the one thing needful and what is that one thing that is so necessary it's having the assurance of god's faithful love his mercy and forgiveness Not only for us and for all eternity, but for us each and every day. It's the assurance of God's faithfulness that we can trust in every situation, even when we can't see that faithfulness at work around us. It's the assurance of God's faithfulness, not only for all of the world, but for you and me. That's the one thing needful. That's the key to real living. And that does not mean that all these other things are important. <coughs> Excuse me, it is important that the guests of Jesus and of Martha and Mary receive received food and rest. That's for sure. But food and rest will only go so far. Only the promises of God remain forever. The one thing needed, the one thing necessary. How important that is, especially when we are feeling so overwhelmed. Now Martha was a doer. Mary was a listener. Which way do we lean? Well, I'm more like a doer, especially when there's a lot to do. I have the tendency to uh, jump into the work without talking to Jesus first. Far too often my pattern is to rush around from one thing to another, trying to get everything accomplished and sometimes I kind of think of picture Jesus sitting there on the couch, watching me run back and forth. And as I'm running back and forth, I tell him, uh, "I'll be with you in just a minute, Jesus, but first I've got to finish this. And then I've got to do this." Or uh, just a moment, Jesus, I'm going to take a little bit of, a few minutes out of my busy schedule to make sure that you have time to be with me. Sound familiar? Unfortunately for many of us, it probably does. And yet without the one thing necessary, all the rest falls apart. All the rest really falls short in accomplishing what God has in mind. So how do we sit at the feet of Jesus? How do we sit at the feet of Jesus to receive the one thing needed? Well, the answer may surprise us. The Word of God. Word of God, that doesn't surprise us. We hear about that every week. In our devotions, we are constantly told it's the Word of God that we need to focus upon. And we're told about word and sacraments, word and sacraments, word and sacraments. We get so used to hearing the words that we take them for granted. But in word and sacrament, God is bringing us to the feet of Jesus as we study the scriptures God is bringing us to the feet of Jesus as we receive Holy Communion God is bringing us to the feet of Jesus so that we can receive the one thing needed that we receive that which is necessary so that we can give that out to others in service this is very important that we receive this one thing needed especially when we are so overwhelmed. Whether we're overwhelmed with a company coming, or whether we're overwhelmed with an illness, or a situation at work or home, or even with the events in this world. When we're overwhelmed, we need the one thing needed, necessary more than ever. The past several weeks I've heard dozens of people, conversations, on the radio, social media. One of the consistent themes throughout is we are overwhelmed. We're overwhelmed. We hear again of a terrorist attack in Paris. Uh, uh, In our own country, we see the shooting of three black men and five white police officers. And as we see those particular events and hear about them, All kinds of eruptions of violence, anger, and fear have taken place. Over and over again, I heard people comment, this is overwhelming. How can anybody do anything that will provide provide any help? And many other comments that I've heard on Facebook or from political want-to-be so vividly show they've opened their mouth before they sat at the feet of Jesus. They opened their mouths before they sat at the feet of Jesus. Overwhelming situations. Now a brief glance back into history. We're going to take an old-timers test. 1956. 1956. How many of us were in our teens at that time or older? 1956. Ah, the wonderful late 50s. The happy days of the early 60s. The peaceful, quiet, tranquil baloney. That's not the way it was at all. No matter what happy days says, it wasn't that way at all. It was a time of terrible strife. There were tensions as the nation fought about segregation, integration. There was conflict between black and white. There were those who wanted to treat people with respect and dignity and others who wanted to keep them under their thumb in subjection. It was a time of terrible conflict. Churches were bombed. Children were killed because they were in Sunday school as those churches were bombed. Civil rights workers suddenly disappeared without a trace. Nothing ever found of them again. It was a time of lynching, hangings. It was a time of terrible conflict. And at that time, it wasn't so much a confrontation between police and people. It was a conflict between people and people. And in the middle of that confrontation, suddenly the church began to stand there and to fight. In the middle of that confrontation, Christians, thousands of them, black and white, joined together to show their support for justice and freedom for all people. And the reason that they did this was because they'd been sitting at the feet of Jesus. They'd been sitting at the feet of Jesus. During those times, it wasn't university professors who were encouraging their students to go out and protest. Instead, it was people in Christian congregations studying the Word of God who stood together and said, enough is enough. The situation has to change and we're going to work to make a positive change. In fact, the influence of the church was so strong at that time that there were many reports that people who were not believers, if you can imagine this, people who were not believers who wanted to join in some of the marches wound up buying the robes of priests and pastors and nuns so that they could dress up that way as they marched. They used the church then, the symbols, some of the symbols of the church as a way to give integrity and honesty and reliability to their their demonstration and what they were standing for. The problems at that time were overwhelming. Nerves were on edge. Changes were made. by people who had been sitting at the feet of Jesus. And after those changes began to be made what happened was the church handed the leadership over to the government. Now I'm not blaming the government. It's difficult to make good and effective decisions especially if we're not first listening to Jesus. What really needed to happen in that particular scenario is that the church continued to assist the government in what Christ intended to be accomplished but unfortunately that did not occur overwhelming situations but they were attacked as people sat at the foot of Jesus now back to today are situations overwhelming yes indeed is there any hope Yes, there is hope. Hope is found when we listen carefully to the promises of Christ and then live accordingly. So as we listen, as people sitting at the feet of Jesus, what are some specific things that our Lord tells us? First, he has us to understand the difference between vengeance and justice. In the scriptures, God is very, very clear that he is the one, the only one, who is in charge of revenge. And we can see why this is so important as we take a look at the events that took place in Dallas several weeks ago. A man decided that it was his responsibility to seek revenge. As a result, five men killed, many others critically injured the lives of families and friends thrown into despair, deeper divisions between peoples, more fear, more terror, more death. What was accomplished when someone sought revenge? As far as from my perspective, I don't see very much positive accomplished at all. Now, as we take a look at that particular event, we also have to see that in our own lives as well it's very true whenever we're motivated by revenge whenever we think that we are the jury we're the judge we're the executioners i guarantee the results will be the same The results will be disastrous devastating we wind up creating only more hurt more anger more division god does not call us to be people who seek revenge. He calls us to be people who seek justice, who seek justice, who seek to make sure that people are treated fairly as God's people. And the way that we begin to uh, seek justice is that we look at one another as God views us. When God looks at us, what does he see? He sees us as we are, sinners who have turned away from him and who continue to turn away from him, sinners who reject the life that he has created for us, sinners who turn away from what we truly need. And fortunately, God's vision of us does not stop there. Because of our sin and our inability to save ourselves, he pays the price of the judgment we deserve. He gave his perfect son in our place so that justice is done through his grace and his mercy. God's justice, the real justice that is needed, is accomplished only by and through the grace and mercy of God. He not only sees us as sinners, but as forgiven sinners. His love for us is so great that our lives matter to him black lives matter black lives matter that's a phrase we often hear in our society today it's a phrase that has a lot of emotion and carries a lot of baggage and regardless of whatever we may think of that particular phrase as Christians we must respond with Amen Amen because every life matters to God every life matters to god and because every life matters to god god gives us the responsibility to treat others fairly to treat others with justice and that begins by viewing them as people like us people who have been given life by god people who are sinners like us people for whom christ has died people who need to have the assurance that no matter what happens in this life, God's love and mercy for them is sure and faithful. As Christians who read the scriptures, who believe the scriptures, we see that the scriptures are very clear that when we stand before the judgment throne of God, the only color that that God is interested in is lives that are cleansed by the blood of Christ, lives that are fitted with the robe of Christ's righteousness. Because we are forgiven sinners by God's grace, we seek justice for all people. We seek to live as ones walking with Christ Jesus in ways that are godly and right and encouraging other people to do the same. Because we have sat at the feet of Jesus, we live in service to others with forgiveness and kindness that seeks justice and God's forgiveness, because when we sit at the feet of Jesus, we have something to share. We have something to share that nobody else in the world can give. You know, sometimes I wish that the scripture, Holy Spirit would have the writers of the Scriptures tell us the rest of the story. And the event of Mary and Martha is definitely one of those after Jesus said these words to Martha I wonder what happened next did Martha turn around with a scowl on her face stomping back into the kitchen going back to her responsibilities did Mary sit there at the feet of Jesus with a smirk on her face saying I got you, sister I don't think so I certainly pray that that was not the response what I picture happening is that Mary says to Martha, come and sit with me. Come and sit with me. Receive a full serving of God's love and mercy, and then we'll get up and together face this overwhelming situation. People of God and people whose faith is in Christ Jesus. No service, no life. No service, no life. Without serving, we would not have the life that we have. And without serving, there's no real living. But service needs to begin with the one thing that is needful. Understanding God's mercy given us in Christ Jesus. May God the Holy Spirit refresh us with more faith, more confidence in God's love. So that we can face even that which seems to be overwhelming. Facing it with His strength and His power.